in times. God is speaking to us about um, making transitions this month. There's a book that Apostle E.C. wrote about um, making successful transitions, and the name of the book is From Here to There. I encourage us all to grab a copy. Um, there's something that Bishop Oyedeko used to tell us when we were in school, Covenant University. Um, he would say, buy the truth and sell it not. And so we had this culture of buying books and buying materials that will help us grow you know and i remember even my sisters and i was sharing this with someone recently my sisters and i um back then we had this culture of buying like everybody will buy a book even if so we're, we're we're four girls my family and we all had at different points in time we all had the same books the same tapes because back then we used to listen to tapes the same tapes the same cds you know Stephanie had her own, Victoria had her own, um, Ify had her own, Chinyere had her own. We all had uh, copies, you know, and it was just, it went without saying, nobody was thinking of, okay, this person has it so I can borrow. No, we were all, we just had that mindset of, we are buying it for our personal libraries, for our personal edification, you know, so that was it. Four, four women in one household, four ladies in one household, but we all had our individual copies, you know, of the books that we wanted. So it's possible to have four of the same book in the same house, you, you know, but I'm saying this to um, encourage us to take up the culture of buying and investing in resources that will help us grow. And especially in a month like this, where, and a season like this, where the Lord is speaking to us about um, making transitions and he's giving us clear-cut instructions concerning different areas of our lives because i know for everyone here we're in different places different you know um the situations surrounding our lives are different and so the um rules of engagement for you will differ from mine will differ from every and anyone else on this call so there are specific things god will be talking to you about perhaps for someone he's talking about finances this is not a time for you to just sit down and expect you know, the miracle to happen without um, you even being intentional about the knowledge that you receive. Yes, there is something that you know, but you have to add to the knowledge that you have. And so by the leading of the spirit, um, reach for books and resources and materials that will foster your growth. You know, for someone else, it could be your marriage that God is talking about. You know, what books are you reading? What messages are you listening to? Um, who are the people you're interacting with? You know, um, how are you feeling yourself up? What are you doing to be intentional about this um, outpour that the Lord is speaking about? For some people, it may be ministry. You know, um, what are you doing about your, your skills in the way that you minister, even on a, um, on a very basic level, like um, public speaking? You know, how are you refining your skills? Um, what trainings have you registered for? What trainings have you paid for? What are the things you've signed up for to ensure that this period, you know, you're taking advantage of everything that is readily at your disposal? What are the things that God has even told you to do? You know, it may be certain things that may seem like, oh, this is too expensive, you know, or this is unreal. It may seem unrealistic because of, um, I don't know, maybe a lack of resources or it could be one thing or another. But this is a time where you have to put your faith in action. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday and I was telling her about something that I'm, I'm planning to do in a couple of weeks. 
you know, she was like, ah, now, wow, Stephanie, your money has come, something, something, you know, I was just like, ah, this is by faith, you know, and then we went on to have a conversation about, she was like, ah, when did they start using faith as the legal tender for, you know, goods and services? I said, okay, now faith, be there, but faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, so you be there and be talking your own, but me by faith, I'm making all the plans that I need to make, whether it's for enjoyment, whether it's for growth, whether it's for expansion, all the plans that the Lord is laying in my heart in this season, you know, I'm taking, I'm laying hold of it by faith. And so by faith, by faith, by faith. So I encourage you and I challenge you this morning to rise up and add to yourself, you know, um, it's not just anything that you will take up and you will read, but be do it prayerfully, you know, ask the Lord, okay, what should I be paying attention to? What should I be reading? What should I sign up for? As simple as, as basic as it may seem, God always has an opinion. Rebecca, please, can you mute your mic? Thank you. God always has an opinion. God always has an opinion. And it's just that many times we don't remember to ask him. We don't remember to ask the Holy Spirit. But I pray that this morning we'll be reminded of the resource that the Holy Spirit is. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our teacher and he's our counselor. So he's the one that will even tell you, sign up for this course, do this, do that, you know, and all of that. Praise God. Hallelujah. So to the meat of the day, um, this morning, we're going to be looking at anointing, um, anointing, calling, ordination, and all of that. Um, very quickly. Very quickly, um, I'm just going to read through some things that I jotted down. Um, we're going to be looking at someone we all know very well in scripture, and it's David. In fact, yesterday, I think when I was teaching, I was trying to talk about J Jacob, and I kept calling David's name. And so in the life of David, because in this season, we're talking about transitions, and you know, transitions... Um, shifting also um advancing you know and many times when we hear transition it's easy to think that you're going from point zero from level zero to the very first step but you know transitions and shiftings they happen throughout your journey of life so whether it is if you even look at it in context of the corporate world you know you may have been hired as maybe um, a receptionist or someone that sits at the front desk and then there's always room for growth from there you can move into maybe operations from there you can move into accounts from accounts you can move into auditing you know from there you can and then you keep ascending and ascending and growing in the ranks there's kpis that are done there's um you know um trainings that are done all of these things to facilitate your growth and your transition through um the different um steps of the organization you know depending so as I say this just as an example. So we look at the life of David, you know, um, for, uh, first of all, scripture shows us that David, scripture shows us that David was anointed three times. David was anointed three times. So first in Bethlehem, then in Hebron, and then in Jerusalem. And we are going to look at what these anointings represented. So the three times that David was anointed, um, the kingly anointing and authority continued to grow and expand over time and in different stages. So the first time that David was anointed, it was by prophet Samuel in the midst of his family um, with Jesse, his father, and all of his brothers. And we see this in 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. 
Scripture says, and Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of Yahweh prospered unto David from that day forward. And so we see that even when David was anointed, that was not when he became king immediately, you know, but the Bible tells us that the spirit of Yahweh prospered unto David. The spirit of God rested upon him. And that was what distinguished him. That was what pretty much set him on the, on the, on the trajectory towards um, him reigning as king. Um, the second time was by the elders of Judah in Hebron, right after the death of King Saul. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 4. And the men of Judah came and anointed David there to be king over the house of Judah. And the third time was by the whole nation of Israel, both Judah and Israel together. We see it in 1 Chronicles 11 verse 3 and 2 Samuel 5 verse 3. It says, and all the elders of Israel came to king, came to the king at Hebron, and David caught a covenant with them in Hebron before Yahweh, and they anointed David as king over Israel, according to the word of Yahweh by the hand of Samuel. So um, we now see of the different exploits that David had, even when he was king, um, right after he stood anointing as king. David and the army went up and conquered Jerusalem. And we see the years of the reign of King David. You know, um, he reigned for seven years in Hebron um, over Judah and then 33 years in Jerusalem over all Judah and Israel together. So we see the successions, you know, in the three um, anointings that happened. The first succession had to do with the people you know, the group of people, and that was his family, his tribe, and his nation. And then between then and the next one, we see that the succession of the second one had to do um, with the people that anointed him, Samuel the prophet, the elders of Judah, and the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. So God took him from a family, biological, um, nation, national level, no, rather from a family level, right, to a national level. Um, and then the third had to do with location. So Bethlehem, Hebron, and Jerusalem. I'm sure if we took our time to actually sit down with these scriptures and pay attention to what these places um, really represent, the Lord will reveal more to us in our personal study time. When we meet on prayer reign, it's a short period of time, so we can't really go into all of the details. Otherwise, we'll be here for a very long period of time. But I'm saying this so that it can also, you know, um, provoke us to go into personal study ourselves. And so we see that the second and the third anointings were seen as a follow-up and the extension of the first one. Why did David need to be anointed three times? Why wasn't he just anointed once? And after his anointing, why didn't he just become king? Remember, one of the things that we talk about and we see through scripture is process. And even Jesus, the man, had to go through the process, the process of being ordained, the process of being publicly announced, the process of going into the wilderness, the process of establishing his earthly ministry, the process of, you know, um, facing death on the cross, the process of the temptations that he experienced even in the wilderness, the process of death, because death in itself was a process and the process of rising up again to become Jesus Christ the risen one, the anointed one. So there was a process from the man Jesus to the Christ that we know that is our Lord and Savior, 
today. Um, there was a call on his life, but there was a process that needed to happen. And so um, the second and third, as I said, were a follow-up and extension of the first anointing by Samuel. Um, it was the same anointing that went through um, expanding stages in consecutive time periods. And as I say this, I want us to begin to think about our own lives, you know, because now we can read scriptures and see it's like a story that was, in, um, you know, um, curated and put together, you know, um, it could entertain us, it could challenge us, you know, um, it could stir us up amongst other things. But just imagine these people in their lives at the time when David was going through his own life, you know, um, and he was anointed the first time. Imagine the thoughts that must have been going through his head at that tender age, you know, and all of the things that he, he had to face even through his life. Imagine if he just what the motions must have been like for him, you know, getting to points where he would probably question and say, was I really called, you know, this ordination, this anointing, <laughs> when is he really going to speak, you know, because why am I going through all of these troubles? Why am I going through all of these challenges? You know, as we see in our life, sometimes it's easy for us to get to the place where we are quick to question certain things just because of the processes that we are going through. And so, um, we must understand that the anointing, the calling, the ordination, the announcement, um, and the purpose of our life still needs to be worked out through process. The Bible tells us, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So even salvation in itself is not a one-stop shop. It has to be worked out. It has to be worked out. There is a process even for salvation. The salvation that you, uh, you know, when you first receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Five years down the line, you cannot be at the same points that you were at five years ago. You must have, by reason of experience, working out trials, challenges, situations, testimonies, triumphs as well. You must have grown and expanded and extended even in your work of salvation. And so in David's life, we see a man that is highly celebrated, but we also see a man that had a lot of challenges, fought a lot of battles before, before he was anointed even. We see through scripture how he wasn't, you know, the way we say in Nigeria, they didn't really send him like that in his father's house. Even when the prophets came to anoint um, the, the next king and came to his father's house, they did not remember him. You know, so this was someone that was pretty much... Um, the death even the death of the child 
um, after his fall, after the sin um, that he committed, you know, and just all of those, um, all of those trials and um, challenges that he faced as a man. We see that even in the time of his reign, before the time of his reign as king, this was a life that was filled with challenges um, and things that were enough to get a man to the place where he begins to question the calling or doubt the anointing that he had received. But in all of this, um, we see that the life of David was paving the way for the coming of of the of of Jehovah the coming of Jesus Christ and so all of those things that he went through it didn't start and end with him as a person it did not start and end with the next king which was Solomon yes Solomon was great yes Solomon had riches yes Solomon had wisdom and all of those things but it did not end with Solomon his life the life of David was speaking uh you know and it was setting the pace for the coming of Yeshua. It was setting the pace for the coming of Jesus Christ. And so I say this to encourage us, you know, because yesterday we were talking about acts of preservation. Um, and we said that the act of preservation in itself, the acts and the things that God is asking us to build, remember first, it starts with us being built. It is our lives that God is building up. So the kingdom that David was building, we see that even Solomon went ahead and built a temple, you know. So it started with um, him being built up then the things that he started to build up for God and what were those things preparing for it was an act of preservation it was a lineage that was being carved out um for the coming of Jesus Christ and so the things that God is the things that we may be going through now is part they are part of the process of the things to come I want to encourage us to let us know that it does not end with us this is not the end of our lives the things that we may see um, even our greatest victories in quotes right now this is not even the beginning or the end of our lives we are part of the process and the story of Christ we are part and of the process and the story that Jesus is writing, that God has actually written since the uh, before the foundations of the earth were laid. So we must remember that we are part of an eternal process, not one that is limited or confined by time or space or location or uh, limitations of systems and the governments of a world that exists now. Because the Bible tells us that heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. So the word of God concerning our lives, the calling for which God called us, you know, the, 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 uh, the ordination over our lives, it is for a greater purpose. It is for a greater purpose. It doesn't end with us. So whatever challenges, whatever trials, whatever tribulations you are facing today, the Bible tells us that his, his plans, his plans for us are to bring us to a future and a hope an expected end. There's an expectation of God that must be met. And so sometimes when we make prayers, you know, we're reminded of the scripture that tells us the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut short. What is that expectation of the righteous? What is that righteous expectation that cannot be cut short? That expectation is righteous because it is aligned with the expectations that God has for creation. So we must remember that. So in the life of David, all of the things that he went through, all of the times he was anointed, all of the times he was neglected, all of the times that he fought battles, it didn't start and end with him. 
In him, God was preparing and preserving something that was to come. Let's bring this into context of where we are at today. We may look at our nations. We may look at our situations. We may look at the economy. We may look at all of these things. And it's like a huge, a big question mark. It may seem like there's so much darkness that is prevailing, but we must be reminded of the word of God that all things work together for good and we must believe it. It is by faith. I was having a conversation with someone a few days ago and, you know, the person was talking about, oh, what if you pray and pray and you trust God and you hope and believe and things don't work out? What are you supposed to do? I said, the problem is that we are quick to judge God, forgetting that God is an eternal God, forgetting that God does not function from the place of time. Time by itself, in itself, has its definition and its identity because God exists. Time exists in God. So God is working out eternal works, but we are experiencing it in time and in season because we are bound by time in this dispensation. You know, so it is easy, easy for us to get to the point where we are quick to judge God or we are quick to come to a conclusion because we do not have the full perspective of what God is doing. The Bible tells us that we know in part, we see in part, we prophesy in part. All of these things are in parts. Noah's life was in parts. David's life was in parts. Esther's life was in a part. Deborah's life was in part. Daniel, Joseph, the men that walked with God. If you look through scriptures, all of these men that did exploits for, for God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these were men that, that as the Bible um, describes, men of like passion. They had the same limitations. They had weaknesses. But what distinguished them was the faith that they had in God. Their faith was at work, trusting God, believing God. Even when it seemed unlikely, even when it seemed uncertain, they continued to push in faith. They continued to push in trust. They continued to push in hope. They continued to push because of the convictions that were in their hearts. They continued to push in faithfulness. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, this morning we pray that you would restore unto us the faith that is required to push, the faith that is required to shift, the faith that helps us to gain perspective, O oh God, Father, not an, a perspective that is time-bound, but an eternal perspective, O oh God. Father, we pray that as we ask that our eyes be opened, indeed, you will cause us to see as you see. You will give us a hope. You will give us even a glimpse, oh God, that would ignite hope in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray, Lord, for everyone on this call that no one will give up, oh God, on the calling, Lord, for their lives. No one will give up, oh God, on the anointing, Lord, that you have um poured over them, oh God, in the name of Jesus. No one will give up on their ordination. No one will give up on the assignment of their lives, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Each and every one of us will have an understanding of the role and the part you are calling us to play per time and per season. And especially now in this month where we know, Lord, in this season where we know that is a time for crossing, Lord. Let us not take things for granted. Let us not give up on the things that we should take up and run with, Father, and be 
steadfast in, in the mighty name of Jesus. Give us renewed strength this morning. Baba, when we started this call, we were praying for the spirit of joy to be released over us. Joy that gives strength. The Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Father, we pray, oh God, for strength, Lord. Strength that is rooted in joy. In the mighty name of Jesus. We pray forever, Lord, that we will be connected in and standing in your presence, oh God, where there is fullness of joy. There will be no... Um, um, depletion of joy in our lives in this season. Joy that gives perspective. Joy that brings hope. Joy that brings strength. Father, we receive joy this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Is anyone still here? Praise God. Yes. Can anyone hear me? Okay. Okay. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So Amen. that so so I, I started by talking about the life of David and seeing the different points in time where he was anointed and how at every point of anointing, you know, it seemed like his authority was expanding, you know, his um his influence was expanding. And so God is bringing us to a place of expansion. We've come into a season of expansion, but it also seemed like for every expansion that needed to happen, there was a trial there was a battle that needed to be fought. There was a challenge that needed to be overcome, um, as it were. And so when we're talking about transitioning, shifting, um, um, advancing, we must be prepared for battle. There was something Prophet Adam said on the day that we had the meeting on the honor code. He said something about territories and battle. He said battle is the, is the fruit, is the seed for territory so every time you are making prayers like lord enlarge my coast enlarge my capacity enlarge my territory like the prayer of jabez that we all know you know um we're asking god to help us break past boundaries we must be ready for battle and we are going into battle from the perspective and from the knowledge and understanding you know and the mindset of overcoming because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so first of all, we pad and arm ourselves up in the word of God and in prayer and consecration. And that is what we are doing today. Yesterday, someone asked me after Eden, she said, Pastor Stephanie, why do we fast every month? I said, that's a very good question. I said, because with every new day, you are breaking into a new season. With every new month, you are breaking into a new season. Even if it is not a season that is announced by the calendar of men, the Bible tells us, teach us how to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so we are, we need wisdom for each day so that we can understand the word of God for the day, so that we can understand the word of God for the season. And so with every new day, with every opportunity to, to live, with every uh, um, opportunity to walk in a new season, um, it must be backed up with preparation in the spirit. It must be met with waiting on the Lord. It must be met with retreating to ask the Lord, what are you saying? Because the truth is that we, the, the Bible talks about the fasted life. I said we fast because it is culture that we must have. And so we are practicing waiting on the Lord and waiting not necessarily that we are only abstaining from food. The abstaining from food is part of it. However, it is the posture of waiting. It is the posture of evaluating. It is the posture of inquiring of the Lord, of retreating, always wanting to know what the Lord is saying. And something you do not practice over time cannot become culture for you. I remember 
the first time I started fasting, you know, the first time I ever tried to fast, I think after the first five minutes of thinking about it years ago, I think, in fact, my fasting life, I don't even know how I did it really and truly. It was just always very hard. But by reason of ex- ex- um, exercising it over and over again, it becomes second nature to you. It becomes culture to you. I said, so we fast to practice um, the culture of waiting on God. Because whether it is a new day, whether it's another hour, whether it's another season, whether it is another year, the truth is that God has an opinion and we must always be at the place where we want to know what the Lord is saying. It is the matching order and the word of God and the wisdom of God that should fuel our decisions, that should fuel our actions. Our will must always align with his. And that is why we couple fasting with prayer. Because when you pray on a basic level, Prayer is supposed to bring you to the place where your will is surrendered to God. That was why Jesus Christ prayed. I said this yesterday, I believe, or maybe I said it recently when I was teaching a group of people. I said the number one reason why we pray is so that we can surrender our will to God. Our will must be surrendered to the Lord. Why do you think Jesus kept praying? He even admitted in prayer. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup be taken away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but let yours be done. So even Jesus himself had to pray. Prayer is what gives God room to release his grace and his strength and his power and his ability over us for us to get up and keep running, for us to get up and keep going. Prayer is what releases might over us. A man of God said that it takes humility to pray. We must continually walk in humility if we must walk with God, because God has created us as in, um, strong, um, I, I would say independent, not independent as we were, but there's the capacity or the tendency for man to become independent. And that humility is required so that we are constantly, you know, checking with God. We are constantly wanting to know what his thoughts are, what his perspective is. There are different arguments you hear people making sometimes saying, oh, if God needed you to, um, God gave you a brain so that you can think by yourself. Yes. However, we must remember that this is now a fallen world and man got into a fallen state by reason of disobedience, you know, and um, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So at every point in time, there is room for revival. There is room for redemption and there is room to come up higher. The man, Adam, when he walked in the garden, the man that God created, I'm sure he, or he just by reason of his interaction and uh, closeness um, with God, he was aligned with the frequency of the way that God thought, the way God imagined. And so they were in close communion. That is the stature of the man that God created. So after the disobedience, after the fall, there was a fall from the grace of God. There was a fall from the glory of God. And so at every point in time, man is constantly trying to catch up. So you can say, yes, God gave me a brain so I can think by myself, I can make decisions. However, we must remember that there is room for us to be redeemed and to be restored to the mind of God. And that is why we must stay in consecration. That is why we must stay in prayer because we are constantly trying to catch up with God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So David, 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 the different times of persecution, the different trials that he faced, you know, the different challenges that he went through, all of these things were preparing for the next phase of promotion for the next phase of, of, of authority, for the next level of um, um, influence that God was bringing to him 
first from his family, then to his nation, and then to nations. God was establishing him. God was giving him territory. But behind that, or rather preceding that, was battle, was contention, and all of that. We can also look at scripture and see other people that went through these things. The man Daniel, Daniel first was prophet, and then he became priest. What were the things that preceded um, Daniel being established as prophet? Because when they arrived on the scene, Daniel and the other men that were selected, we saw the selection process. They had to be of royal, um, 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 royal or noble background. You know, they had to be. They had there was a there was a list of the king's preference that all of these um, men had to meet. So Daniel was selected, him and, you know, the Hebrew boys, amongst other people. But even after that selection process, what distinguished Daniel? The Bible tells us that Daniel proposed in his heart. So by himself, he proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. It was by reason of that purpose in his heart that he was distinguished and he was separated. The Bible tells us that Daniel found favor in the eyes of the king and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those people made up their minds, you know, by reason of, it, it must have been by their experience and their encounters with God and, you know, just walking with God that they were able to get to the point where they drew fine lines, fine, fine boundary lines, and they set standards, godly standards for themselves. So that was even on a personal skill level on a personal wisdom level, on a personal knowledge level that they had um, made up their minds to say consecrated. And so for many of us on this call, in fact, you know, what has set you apart in your salvation walk um, between you and maybe the people that you used to know, the places you used to be, and, you know, even the stages that you were at in life is your consecration. I remember there was a day I was having a conversation with Apostle Isi, you know, and it was one of the things she said to me. She said the difference and the distance between where you are today and where you used to be five, six years ago is the consecrations that you have made. And that is why you must never joke with your consecrations. Remember when we talked about the, um, dealing with the spirit of the serpent and scorpion, we said that one of the things that the serpentine spirit comes to do is to question your consecration. Did God really say, and eh, what's there? It doesn't matter now. Uh, where in the Bible is it written? And uh, it's okay, please, not be me kill Jesus, as people like to say, you know, and all kinds of crazy things people want to say, or, you know, the culture of this world is constantly trying to condition your mind into, to bring you to a place where you lower your personal standards and your consecrations, godly standards, godly standards. So there are conversations around things like, what kind of shows should you watch? What should you drink? Where should you go? People say all kinds of things like, oh, there's nothing wrong with going there. It's just a bar. They are not doing this. They are not doing that. Some people say, oh, but, God, you know, there are certain conversations that at a level in your work with God, it shouldn't even be debate for you anymore. So a man like Daniel, he had gotten to that point where there were said, and you know, those are the things that define us and mark us out for maturity. It is a man, it is a, a it's, the Bible says, when I was a child, you know, I did, there were certain things that I did, but now I have put away childish things. It is the putting, how do you put away childish things? It's your decision. You wake up and you decide that this one I'm not doing again. Nobody forced me, but I have just realized that I choose not to do it again. And it is by choosing and drawing the lines that we are 
able to set those boundaries. We are able to decide and define on which side we stand. The problem that is plaguing, one of the problems plaguing this generation is that we want to be bad and bougie and sanctified at the same time. There was um, an Instagram influencer I saw on their profile. I think he said, body that is sanctified by Jesus. So I'm like, what's his body inside? You get like, we want to prove that we know it all. We can do it all. We are still cool. We are still in the world. We still know what's going on. You know, all of that. Anyway, the point is that we must get to the point where we are able to draw those clear cut lines. And you may think that the world is not watching. And by the world, I'm not just talking about people, but I'm also talking about creation in itself. You know, we may think that um, creation does not notice. We may think that these are small little things that we can just easily despise. But the truth is that with every decision, with every consecration that is made, more is added to us. More authority is given to us. More power is given to us. More responsibility is given to us. More recognition is given to us or more glory is seen upon our lives. And so we see that Daniel, for him to have been established as prophets, it came by reason of his consecrations, his decisions, his standards, his set standards. He said, I will not defile myself. I will not defile myself. I choose. Sometimes it's just a decision that we need to make. Moving on now from prophets. Okay, let me try and see if my camera can come back on. Please stay with me while I try to fix this. So, after that, we see in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. So we know the story um, up until here where they were trying to find something against Daniel. They were trying to find, um, you know, a way to persecute him and to bring him down. They said, there's no way, basically they said, there's no, there's no way that we can persecute this man. There's nothing we can bring against him because on a moral level, the guy is upright. Do you understand? His standards have set him apart. He's a man of excellence. So they said, what other way can we use to bring him down? They said, unless we bring something against his God. And I'm going somewhere with this. And so the Bible says in verse 10 of chapter 6 of the book of Daniel, it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room. It's interesting because one of the things that the Lord is highlighting to us in this season is upper rooms of encounters. And the Bible says in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So Daniel went into the upper room and he prayed, knowing that the, the decree had been signed, knowing that the thing that they were going to use against him had been signed. But did Daniel stop at this point to say, ah, please, oh, this is not the time for me to be praying. Everybody should apply wisdom. No, he didn't do that. The Bible says as it was his custom since his early days, he got up and he went into his upper room and he opened his windows, knelt down and he prayed. The Bible said three times that day. And that was what they were able to use against him. Now in using that against him, we see what happened after that. The greatest, in fact, I don't even know 
which other challenge could have been greater than that being thrown into the den of lions because I'm very sure that as far as they knew that would have been the end of Daniel's life and imagine those lions the manner and the stature and the strength of those lions that were fed with premium food so I'm sure that Daniel would have just been maybe a snack for them before the main meal would have come so in no time they would have expected that Daniel would have been dead but what happened God delivered Daniel and after the deliverance of Daniel, we see that Daniel was no longer just seen as priest, but he was um, prophet, but he was now established in his priesthood in the land. And so we see in these instances what preceded the advancement of the anointing and the authority and the calling of um, and the calling um, of God on his people. It started with a consecration and on another level, persecution. I believe that these are two things that are going to set us apart in this season, consecration and persecution. So when we make these prayers, when we are trusting God for advancement, when we are trusting God for shifting, for um, transitioning, for increase, for abundance, be ready to consecrate yourself and be ready for the persecution that will come along with it. Because in the persecution, it gives you an opportunity to defend that which you are convicted of. It gives you the opportunity to speak and to portray Christ to a broken world and to a, 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 a broken generation as it were. It is an opportunity to minister Christ. It is an opportunity to exemplify Christ. It is an opportunity to show a people that it is possible for there to be another way. It is an opportunity. I can speak of my life and give certain examples or instances of some of the things that I have had to go through in recent times, those that are close to me will know of it. You know, um, you may have been in the seasons where it's your consecrations that have set you apart, but believe me, it gets to a point where persecution comes. Persecution can come from those around you. Persecution can come from those that are closest to you. And that is even the most painful because how do you want to explain it? Many times you yourself, as you're trying to get the fine details of what exactly the Lord is doing, and then you are placed in a situation where explanation is required of you. People need to know what exactly are you doing? What exactly does this mean? What is the plan? What is the matching order? What is, you know, there is so much, um, what would I call it? Maybe pressure sometimes. And you're like, God, what exactly is going on? The persecutions of our faith or for the faith we must contend for the faith. We must contend through the persecution. Persecution is part of the process and it is part of the package. Don't let anybody deceive you. This soft life Christianity of, oh, all things are working together for my good alone. You are seeing that, but you are not seeing the part that talks about you being pressed and pushed on every side. You know, seeing only um, the parts of the triumphant entry into the city, but not seeing the place where you have to carry your cross. All of these things that Jesus Christ went through, remember, it was to show us the way, the truth, and the life, and how it arrives at life in God. All of these things are part of the process. And so another example we can see in scripture is the life of Joseph. Joseph went from prison to Potiphar's house to prison again and to palace. All of these things were preparing him to advance in his calling. And so for Joseph, at first, on a very basic level, 
what even led him to prison? It was his dream. Like I said, just personal skill, personal God-given ability that he had. And just by reason of his vulnerability or, you know, whatever it was that made him in excitement and joy, share it with his brothers. That was what first led him to be. So first, it was the thing that God gave to him that put him in trouble, in quotes. And from there, we see how from being in prison, by reason of his set standards, by reason of his consecrations, he was distinguished and he was called upon and he was elevated from prison. Now, for, to prepare him for the palace, the prison was another place of preparation for the palace. For him to get to the palace and to emerge prime minister, he had to go through. And you see the persecution that happened with Potiphar's wife, because he said, how can I do this evil against my God? It was no longer about him and his dreams. It was now about the God that he was serving. And he said, no, uh, this one, I cannot. At a point, you have to defend the faith that you stand for. Closet Christianity, my brothers and sisters, that time has to pass. Even if it has not passed and you're still dragging it, please let go of it today. You have to arrive at a point where there is boldness in your heart. And that boldness comes by reason of the things that we do in prayer, in fasting, in studying the word of God, you know, and in allowing and trusting God enough for exploits of faith. Because I tell you, it is the testimonies of yesterday, the times when God showed up for you in X, Y, and Z situations. And that's why we must continually have the mindset of gratitude and thanksgiving. It is by reason of these testimonies that we are able to say, ah, God is faithful. If he did it before, he can do it again. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he will do it for me. The reason why we backdate and we backtrack and we call the names of these people through scripture is to show how God through time, through season, through all the ages, he has remained faithful in delivering and prospering his people, regardless of challenges of persecution, you know, um, setbacks or what have you. And so we see this in the life of Joseph. He went from prison, Potiphar's house palace, preparing him to advance in his calling. And, you know, sometimes the period and the process of preparation, it may first seem like a setback. So I'm saying this to encourage someone on this call today. It may first seem like a setback. It may seem like a small place. Guys, I apologize. Um, my screen is just not coming on, on my laptop, but please stay with me. I'm very much with you this morning. You know, it may seem like a small place. It may seem like a reduction because before it begins to increase. And, you know, if we take it into the context of Noah's ark, we see how God took Noah to the place where he was giving him set rules, set parameters, set measurements. And sometimes it's like, ah, God, why are you reducing? Do you understand? Let's just do this thing. Let's just run. Let's just go. And God is like, no, attention to detail. So sometimes the place for attention to detail can seem like a reduced place. It can be like, it can seem like a reduced office. It can seem like a, a reduced opportunity. It may seem like you're even repeating a phase of your life. And you're just like, ah, and God, why am I going backwards? I thought I'm meant to be moving forward. I thought it was forward ever, backward ever. I thought there's meant to be a rising up for me when, the, when, there's, a, um, when there's a casting down for others, there should be um, a lifting up for me. Why does it seem like all of these things are backtracking? It's because God is retreating you and fine-tuning and correcting and ch checking to ensure that everything is in place for the place of enlargement that he's bringing you to. 
So I don't know if you see the patterns here, but if we look at David, Daniel, Joseph, like I mentioned, you know, these people went from just that personal point to the place of defending the faith, the place of going past the persecutions um, and contending for their faith so that they could arrive at that enlarged place that God was bringing them into. And so um, another person you can also see, um, please mute your mic. Another person you can also see in scripture is even Esther. So Esther herself, you know, she became queen. Ah, thank God, God don't do them for us. Do you understand? As far as she knew, and that must have been the greatest achievement of her life. But God said it does not end here. It got to a point where she now had to defend the people. It was no longer about her anymore. And so that thing that she was hiding that enabled her to enter the palace, Mordecai came and told her, this is not the time to hide anymore. This is not a time to do Christian. Uh, 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 you cannot be a Jew. I'm um, sorry, this is not the time to do closet, um, closet belief, basically. You have to defend the people. You have to defend the faith. You have to stand in the gap. And it got to a point where Esther said, if I perish, I perish. This is the mindset for advancing your anointing. The mindset of if I perish, I perish. Who else do we see in scripture? Deborah, she went from being just another person just a woman that was operating in her calling, her capacity, judging matters under the tree of Deborah, the wife of Lapidot, you know, doing her thing until she arose as a mother in Israel. Motherhood came with the responsibility to carry a people. Motherhood came with the responsibility to build and act to preserve a, a, a people. Motherhood came with the responsibility of putting her life on the line, going into battle. Look at that battle that they fought. But by reason of her maturity, like I said, when we arise and make up our minds to stand for, for the things that God has placed within us, it is not just men that notice because the men noticed, Jael noticed, um, Barak noticed, the people noticed and they gathered onto her. But the Bible also tells us that the stars fought in their causes. So it wasn't just man, but the created things, the elements of this world, everything, time and season, they all aligned because a woman made up her mind that today I arise as mother. Today I arise to defend. Today I'm no longer going to take that light God has given to me and put it under a bushel. Today I'm no longer going to play small. Today I'm no longer afraid of putting my face out there and telling them categorically that I am a Christ, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus Christ, regardless of the persecution. Not be today. In fact, the things that distinguished the disciples and the apostles were the persecutions for their faith. Look at the life of, of Paul, the one that wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. We see how most of those letters that Paul wrote, he was writing them for prison. Most of the times when Paul preached, he was preaching from the place of, you know, trials and tribulation. Look at when um, he encountered um, the storm. And the Bible tells us that the men that were on the ship with him, they had lost faith. But Paul saw that as an opportunity to minister Christ. I don't know what it is that you have been hiding. I don't know the thing that God has given to you that you have seen as a snare. Because 
culture of today has made you feel like it is not cool. But I rebuke that conditioning of mind by the blood of Jesus. I pray that in the name of Jesus, your eyes will open. You will see the great opportunity that God has given to you in the place where you stand, in the nations where you are. You will see the light that God has placed within you today in the name of Jesus. You will no longer be afraid. You will no longer look down on yourself. You will no longer um, um, consider yourself as too small. You will no longer neglect the gifts that God has given to you. You will no longer see yourself as a child, but you will grow and you will mature by reason of the choices that you will make this day. In the mighty name of Jesus, the word of God says, choose ye this day. So we begin to choose this day. And Father, we declare that we choose you. Father, we declare that we choose, Lord, to believe the words that have been spoken concerning us, the prophetic word that has been released concerning us, the calling, oh God, for which you have placed upon our lives, the anointing, oh God, that you have released over us, oh God. Father, we agree with your word today and we arise, oh God, in responsibility in the name of Jesus. We thank you, oh God, for the persecutions, oh God, that will come. Father, because they will come in one way or another, in the marketplace, Lord. Father, even in family, oh God, in the different areas that we are planted. We know, Lord Jesus, that these persecutions will come. But Father, we thank you because you have prepared us for such a time as this. In this time of persecution, we will see it as an opportunity, oh God, to refine, Lord Jesus, the things that you have given to us, to refine, oh God, the skills, Lord, that you have placed within us, oh God. We will see it as an opportunity to retreat in you, to hear what you are saying, oh God, to receive receive instructions from your spirit, oh God, for that which is to come in the name of Jesus. Baba, we thank you, Lord, because you are causing us to advance, Lord, from a, from a, um, um, lineage points, Lord Jesus, to a national point. We thank you, Lord, for governmental authority. We thank you for establishment of authority in this time, establishment of influence in this time, Lord Jesus. We will not neglect any part of the process in the name of Jesus. Just like Esther, oh God, we will arise, Lord Jesus, and say and have the mindset of if I perish, I perish, Lord Jesus. We will not consider our lives to be too much of a sacrifice to give up just the way Christ took his life and he laid it down. You will show us, Lord Jesus, how to take up our crosses and lay down our lives, Lord, for what we believe in your word, what we believe in you, what we believe, oh God, Father, from our salvation in the mighty name of Jesus. We will run, we will not run away from challenges. We will not run away from um from persecution. We will not run away from tribulation, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever it is, Lord Jesus, that is required, whatever seed is required for us to break through into our next season, Lord Jesus, we take it up with joy because in joy we find strength. We take it up in understanding, we take it up in wisdom. And and we take it up with the grace of God that is multiplied over our lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, I thank you because we are growing in understanding. We are growing in maturity. We are growing, oh God, Father, in wisdom in the mighty name of Jesus. And so we give you praise. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for upper room encounters, places where we we, we make the culture of meeting with you and we do not negotiate it for anything, Lord Jesus. Just the way Daniel, as it was his custom, he went into his upper room 
and he prayed. It was a place where he encountered you. It was a place where he came to know you. It was a place where he tasted and he saw that you are good. And so even when decrees were written, judgments were passed concerning his life, and he knew that he was facing death, Lord. He could not shake off that which he knew to be true by reason of the encounters he had in you. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you will give us encounters this month that will strengthen and stabilize us in our faith, in our understanding, and in our knowledge of Christ Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus. We will be established in the knowledge of God. We will be established in the knowledge of God. We will be established in the knowledge of God by reason of the encounters that we receive in the mighty name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we give you praise. We thank you. We bless your holy name, O God. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Is anyone still here? Amen. 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 Praise Amen. God. Hallelujah. Amen. We continue tomorrow, Amen. but I hope we have been blessed. Um, I hope we have been blessed. I hope that we take these teachings, we sit down with them, and we go over them, we study them, we take the scriptures that we've heard, look at the lives of these people that were mentioned, look at David go into, because we are praying that we are established in the knowledge of God, sit with these words, meditate on them, and the Lord will begin to lay out instructions for you. The Spirit of God will begin to show you how to find where you are at in life right now in accordance to his word, because the truth is, for every situation that you are facing in life, there is a scripture for you. For anything that you are going through right now, there is a scripture for it, whether it's pain, whether it is pleasure, whether it is grief, whether it is lost, loss, whether it is triumph, there is a scripture for you. There is a place in God's word where you can find your life and you can find the matching order and what you need to keep going, to keep pushing and to keep pressing. And I pray that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened as we stay in the word of God in the name of Jesus. So I encourage you, keep praying, stay fasting, stay in God's word. This is um, a fantastic season. It is kind of like how we called September last year, the great and effective door. This is a great and effective door moment for us. And I pray that we do not miss it in the name of Jesus. God bless you all. Have Amen. a fantastic day and see you tomorrow. We had mentioned the physical prayers um, starting every Saturday. So we're going to put the form on the groups and the community so that everyone can see it. If you're in Lagos, Nigeria, and you'd like to join us at the Influence Hub for prayers um, tomorrow morning, um, please fill the form. And so we can make the proper plans um, to receive you and fellowship with you. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much. God bless you, Pastor Stephanie.